0: Praise the Lord. Let's just stand up for a moment. Let's just give Jesus a really big hand tonight. Let's just welcome him in our midst. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We just praise you tonight, Lord. We want to tell you from the bottom of our hearts that we love you, Jesus. We adore you. We thank you, Lord, that you are here with us. That wherever you are, Lord, wonderful miracles happen. So we're expecting miracles in our lives tonight, Lord. We're expecting transformation to take place. We realize, Lord, that you are taking us from step to glorious step to being transformed into your image, Jesus. And we just thank you, Lord, that you love us and that you are with us. Teach us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. You may be seated. It's really great to... Be with you yet tonight, you know, seeing the kids like that on the video really touches one's heart. And let me just say this, God wants it to touch our hearts. God wants it to invoke compassion and passion in us for the poor, because that's God's heart. You know, in 1984, when I found myself first time amongst the poor, We were not doing uh, the work then that we're doing now. We were doing gospel outreach. We had a 5000 seater tent, and we were doing many crusades every year. It was wonderful. The tent was always full. We were seeing God do great miracles, and we were really, really happy and settled in ourselves with the way the ministry was going. To cut a long story short... God sent me into Mozambique to work with the gospel there. But that was not possible initially because they were a Marxist country and didn't allow the preaching of the gospel publicly. And I asked them what I could do to help them. And they said that we could help because there were so many people that were starving in their country. In fact... 300,000 people starved to death in the first four months. And when I heard that, it was a significant um, statistic to me. But you know what? It still didn't really impact me. I said to the government official, I want to see what's going on. He said, come back in two weeks, which I did. And they flew me up. To a place called Pambara. And you know, when I got there, I was shocked out of my wits. I thought I knew what poor people looked like. I'd never seen anybody poor like that. There was 34, 36,000 people there, and they were all starving. I helped bury more than 30 of them every day. I was only supposed to be there for the day, but the aircraft never came back. So I was stranded for 10 days. I didn't have food myself. I didn't have change of clothing. I didn't even have my toiletries with me. It was perhaps the most significant 10 days in my entire life. Because I want to tell you that as I was confronted by the poor for the first time, Really in my life, I could not deny the compassion that welled up in me. My heart was broken. I tell you I came back, my wife will tell you I came back and I said to her, my complaints department has gone forever. You will never ever again hear me complain. And I don't think she ever has. Because after seeing what people like that can go through, do you know how blessed we are? We just sometimes don't realize how blessed we are. We don't count our blessings like we should count our blessings until you see what it can be like to really be in trouble changed our lives I tell you changed the course of our lives and I realized just shortly after that that it wasn't by accident the aircraft never came back it was by God's design he wanted me exposed to those things because he wanted to take me to a new dimension in my life and in my walk with him it's good to be stretched you know that It's good to be challenged. It's good to take steps to grow in ourselves and to grow in the Lord. I want to speak, actually, about that tonight. I want to speak about living larger than life. Because, you know, when we are born, we are born into natural life with natural limitations. But when we are born again, that ceases. The Bible says clearly that when we are born again, we become the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works. So when we're born again, we're no longer held back by the things that we experience before we have Christ in our lives. That's why Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And you see, a lot of people interpret abundant life as material blessings from God. I want to tell you, God intended for us to live way, way, way above just material blessings. And I realized that fully because before Anne and I were ever born again, we were really wealthy. I'd been very successful at business. We were going to retire when I was 40 years old. Everything was on track. We had a lovely house. We had a Mercedes Benz. I had a Porsche sports car. Everything just seemed to be flowing in the right direction until we received Jesus in our lives and began to understand what the right direction really is. And here I am, 61 years old now, and I'm working harder than I've ever worked in my entire life, and I'm loving every single moment of it because God has really put real meaning in my life. But I really believe with all my heart that to truly experience life that is larger than natural life, we have to step into the supernatural blessings of God. And you know what? They are there for each and every one of us. There's not one of us who are excluded from the supernatural blessing of God. God didn't bless some of us one way and bless some some of us another way. Yes, there are those of us who are called to do certain things for the Lord. But to all of us he gave this wonderful supernatural inheritance that the apostle Paul was trying to get across to us in Ephesians chapter 1 when he prayed for the church at Ephesus, which was a great church. He commends them. He says, "I commend you, for For your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. So he commends them for their faith and for their maturity. And then goes on to say, but I remember you in my prayers every single day. And what I'm praying is that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. And in the hope of his calling, that your eyes of understanding might be enlightened, that you would know the hope of his calling, that you would know the riches of the glory of Christ's inheritance in the saints. I mean, just listen to that for a moment. The riches of the glory. You know, whenever the Bible take, talks about glory, you may as well sit up and take notice because he's talking about something that is way beyond what we normally experience. And here he talks about the riches of the glory of our inheritance, the saints' inheritance, believers' inheritance that Christ has in us. And it goes on to say, and the greatness of his power to us would who believe. See that's a transformation. That's understanding your inheritance. That's understanding the power of Christ to us. To us who believe. Not according it says to our power, but according to the working Of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. I think that's so exciting. And I think especially when you take that and you look at the promise which God has made us in uh, Genesis, in chapter 12. I think it becomes doubly exciting. If you look there with me in Genesis chapter 12. And you read from verse 2. He says, And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And there are many, many people who believe that this promise was made for Israel. That is not the truth that is recorded in my Bible. If you have a look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29, it says this. It says, if you are Christ, then you are the seed of Abraham and heirs to the promise. Amen. So if we are Christ, we are Abraham's seed. And not only that, we are heirs to the promise which God gave to Abraham. And what is the promise that God gave to Abraham? That he would personally bless us. Hallelujah. That he would make us a great nation. And in fact, that he would make our name great and that we would be a blessing. And you know what I love about God? There's nothing small about God. There's nothing small about God's thinking. He goes on to finish off the promise by saying, and every family in the earth will be blessed through you. See, there's absolutely no limitation on God's blessing if we'll understand our purpose if we'll understand our inheritance, if we'll understand the true purpose which God created us for and which God put us upon this planet for and which God wants us to move in. God does not want us just to be blessed for us. And you know what? If you just want to be blessed for yourself, you're going to live in a very small portion of the true blessing that God has for you. Yes, God will provide for you. God will always provide for you. The Bible promises that. But if you want to live in the true blessing of God, you have to move beyond yourself and become a blessing. And let me... And let me tell you something tonight. The greater blessing you become, the more you get blessed. God just literally takes you from step to glorious step. I mean, we've experienced that so powerfully in our own lives. We didn't come from a church background. We didn't come from a long line in the ministry. In fact, when we got saved, we didn't even have a Bible in our house. We'd never been to church. We didn't like church. God wasn't really on our agenda. My dad got healed from a heart attack, and that led to our salvation, and that's what brought us into the kingdom of God. But we came into the kingdom of God with not one idea of how the kingdom works or what God really was going to do with our lives. We started really as babies, and when I see what God has done with our lives in his last 25 years, it absolutely amazes me. I often say to Anne, it takes more faith for me to believe what's happened in the past 25 years than to believe for what's coming. It's just been supernatural the way that God has raised us up and the way that God has used us. You say, why? See, a lot of people think it's because God chose you for that task. But I want to tell you tonight what the reality is. From the day that Ann and I got born again, we no longer wanted to hold this thing to ourselves. We wanted to share it. We wanted to help others. We had 140 laborers on our tobacco farm. We started a church within three weeks. And we preach the gospel to these laborers. Well, we thought we preached the gospel. It wasn't really the gospel. It was a Sunday morning meeting from an Assemblies of God church that we had joined. And we didn't even realize that that wasn't the gospel. That was a teaching message. You know what? It didn't make any difference. Within three weeks, we had 40 people born again on that little church on our farm, and we just began to see what God will do with people who are willing to step out and who are willing for God to use them. You see, that's the key. If I'm willing to take what I have and put it in God's hand and allow God to take that and use it and to take myself and to put myself in God's hand, And allow God to use me, then I want to tell you, you are on the road to very quick growth in God's supernatural kingdom because God is looking for people who are prepared to do that. God is looking for people who will preach the gospel of the kingdom, who will go out and live the gospel of the kingdom and take the love of Jesus Christ to the people of our world. And that those people are everywhere in the world. They here in edinburgh Amen. You don't have to go to the far corners of the world for God to begin to use you. Anne and I started right on the farm where we were farming. We didn't even go to the next town or anywhere else. We started right there and God started to supernaturally use us. But we were willing and ready to take the step and allow God to do those things. And at a amazes me where God has taken us in just 25 years. We've seen more than eight and a half million people make decisions to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we started as tobacco farmers with no background and no experience. I want to tell you, if God could do that with us God can do it with any one of you. The bottom line is whether you're prepared to put it in the hands of God and allow God to mold you and take you those steps forward. You see, let me tell you what I believe happened in my life. I believe that God introduced me to His world. And you know what? God does that. Through His Word. God introduces us to His world through His Word. You see, for so long, I, the only important thing in my life had been me, had been my family, had been my children. But once we got saved, I realized that there was far greater circle of importance. That God wanted in my life. And you see, the biggest thing that I realized in the experience that I spoke of earlier at Pombara is that it wasn't only me who was there. You know, so often we say God is with us. But how do we live that? How do we actually practically live that? When I was standing what happened was on the Thursday of that week, there came an old man stumbling across the clearing. And I went to help him. I went. I set him against a tree. I brought him some water. And when I got back, I thought he was sleeping. And I shook him. And he wasn't sleeping. He died while I was gone. And I want to tell you, it so struck me. It so impacted me. I, I mean, I'd had enough I'd been there nearly five days by that time. The place had an aura of death. I didn't have anything with me to help these people. It didn't even seem to be relative even to pray for them. These people needed food, and I didn't have any food. And this thing had been wearing on me all week. And when this man died like that, it just snapped. And I literally shouted at God. I had an anger inside me that was absolute frustration and emotion. And I just shouted at God. I said, I don't even know how you feel. I only know how I feel. My heart is broken. I cannot take this anymore. And I don't even know how you feel. I don't know if this is your will that people die like this. I don't know whether you care that people die like this. I don't know. All I know is how I feel. You know, I realized something afterwards. I'd never before asked God how He feels about anything. I so many times had told God how I feel, what my needs were, what my perspective was. I'd done that over and over again in my prayers. But this was actually the first time that I'd ever said to God, And I don't know how you feel. And I tell you, God took the opportunity to tell me exactly how he feels. And what he said to me was, I feel like you feel only 25 times more so. And that's why I sent you here. And I began to understand a different perspective. That through the the following months and years led me to... A new relational walk with God. Because I began to understand that it's not only my perspective that is important, that it is God's world, God's perspective that as important as mine any day. And I began to involve God more and more in my walk with God, in understanding things that were important to God. And God began to open His world to me. He began to show me things from the Word of God. And I want to share something with you tonight that I think is absolutely profound you see because jesus explains so much in the gospel of john but no more so than in chapter 14 and i read to you from verse 10 he says do you not believe that i am in the father and that And that the Father is in me, and that the words that I speak to you, I do not speak in my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me, he does the works. Believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me. Or else, believe me for the very sake of the works. Themselves. So what is Jesus teaching his disciples here? I tell you, it's, it's so deeply important that if you grasp what he's teaching, it'll transform your life. it certainly transform mine. Because what Jesus is saying to them is that for you to walk in the fullness of my kingdom, To you, for you to walk in the fullness of the purpose that God has for you, you need to firstly understand my purpose. You need to understand how I walk. You need to understand how I do the things which I do. And then he goes on to explain that do you believe that I am in the Father? That it's not me who is speaking these things on my authority. It's the Father that is speaking these things through me. And it's not me who does the works. They're the works of the Father. All these things that you see, they are the works of the Father. The raising of Lazarus from the dead. The opening of the many, many, many blind eyes. The healing of the many, many lepers. The healing of the cripples. Everything that Jesus was doing, he's telling his disciples right here as he prepares them. He's telling them, do you know where these things came from? Do you know how they work? Do you know what is the source of the miracles that you are doing? seeing They are not my miracles. They are the works of the Father who is in me. And you see, it was so vitally important for them to understand this that he was not going to be able to take the necessary steps forward without them understanding this. That becomes absolutely true when you read what he says next. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. Now what is he talking about? He that believeth on me as the Savior... No, no, what he's talking about is what he's just taught them. He says, "He that believeth on me, he that believeth, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and that the words I speak, I speak under His authority, and the works I do, I do under His authority. And those of you who can believe in me in this way, the works I do, ye shall do also, and even greater works than these shall ye do, because I go unto my." Father. In other words, I am not going to do these works in your midst anymore because I'm going back to my Father. But those very works that the Father has been doing through me, He will do through you if you believe on me and understand how it works in the kingdom of God. Amen? He says again, whatever you ask in my name, I shall do that for you so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Hallelujah. God intends for us to walk in our inheritance. And He intends for us to do that supernaturally. That's why His Bible encourages us all the time. It says, all things are possible to them that believe. Now, how are all things possible to them that believe? It's because through faith, the supernatural becomes possible in your life. Amen. Amen. And it says, through Christ, who strengthens us. It's our faith in Christ, we're more than conquerors through Him who loves us. Amen? We can live a life that is above normal life. We can live a life that is a blessing to countless others if we will understand the Purpose which God has on our lives. If we'll just grasp it, if we'll just grasp what Jesus was teaching his disciples here, we can live a life that becomes an enormous blessing to others. See, I've learned that. I came from nowhere, I came from no background, and yet I have seen more than 200 totally blind people receive their sight in front of my own eyes through prayer. You say, that's incredible. You know what? Yes, it is incredible. And yet, it's just the truth of God's word. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do that. You know, I don't know if I mentioned this miracle to you before I probably have. But it had such a profound impact on my life that it is still imprinted in me as though it happened yesterday, although it happened many years ago. I was in a place called Big Bend in Swaziland. We were still doing our crusades in the tent, and we were doing 14-day crusades at that time. And this woman brought her blind son, eight years old, to the meeting every single night for 14 nights running. And I watched her take this little boy home 13 of those nights, still totally blind. We spoke with her and asked her about her son. And she said that the child had been born totally blind, that the child has never been able to distinguish daytime and nighttime. She puts him to sleep when it's nighttime and wakes him up when it's daytime. He cannot distinguish between the two. And then came the last night, and she was there, and she was weeping. And you know what was inside my heart? I know why she's weeping. This is the last night. She wanted to take her son home again, still blind. And I went down to pray for this little boy. I went first to him. And, you know, somehow I became curious and I wanted to see what the problem with his eyes were. So I stretched his eyes open to have a look. And to my absolute horror, he didn't have any eyes. He didn't have any cornea, and he didn't have any pupil at all. I tell you, I was suddenly so greatly challenged. Even though I had already seen the blind see, a child that had no eyes was more of a challenge than perhaps I was ready for right then. And I was about to move on when the Holy Spirit spoke so strongly in my heart and reminded me of this very scripture. He said, didn't Jesus tell you that whatever you ask in his name, he would do that for you? Now, why don't you ask? And you know what? It was like a whole river of faith started to well up inside me from the word of God. And I prayed for that little boy again. This was the 14th time I had prayed for him in 14 days. And yet it was different. It was different because of what was inside of me, first of all. And when I prayed for him, he immediately opened his eyes. And I knew in an instant this child was healed. Because he now had these big, brown, beautiful eyes. You know and I said? I, I said to him, I said to his mother, I said, Mommy, ask your son what you look like. Because I knew the kid had never seen his mother. She look, he looked up at his mother, and he said to her, Mommy, you are so beautiful. And she just began to weep uncontrollably. And you know what? I joined her. I began to weep too. I mean, it was just such an incredibly emotional moment. It was so very difficult to handle. And those weren't tears of sadness. They were tears of great gladness. You see, it's experiences like that that have let me realize what a blessing it is to others if you can walk in the anointing of God if you can walk in the inheritance that God has for you. And that's not just in one way. It's in every way. You know, maybe you're sitting there and saying, I could never, 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 never possibly pray for a child without eyes. Well, you know what? When I first started, I couldn't have either. I remember so well. In fact, it just jumped back into my memory. I remember my first crusade. I was so nervous. We were in a little community hall that was only a little bit bigger than this hall. And my first, you know, fear was that nobody would come. And then I went and peeped through the curtain just before the start of the meeting. And the place was totally packed out. I mean, there were three people sitting on every two seats. And then, I suddenly became full of fear. I can't do this. The place is too full. I've never done this before. And it took the Lord to encourage me to go out and do it. And you know what? I'd no sooner preached, and I was now getting ready to pray for the sick, when the doors at the back opened, and they carried in this crippled lady, two of them, with their arms crossed like this and a lady sitting on their arms and they came and put her right on the front row where there was a vacant seat and I knew I got to pray for this woman and I thought I can't do that and I went I made a healing line and I went down to pray for the people and the Holy Spirit said in my heart pray for the crippled lady first I said I can't do that it's my first night. I can't do that. I'm sorry. I can't do that. So I didn't do it. So I prayed for the holy healing line. And then we made a second healing line. And the Holy Spirit said to me again, go to the crippled lady. I said, no, I can't do that. I told you, Lord, I cannot do that. I cannot do it on my first night. It's not possible for me. I did five healing lines, and every time the Lord put it upon my heart to go pray for that crippled lady. And I never did it. Eventually, I was now finished with a healing line, and I went back to get on the platform. And as I walked towards the stairs, the Holy Spirit said so clearly in my heart, Are you going to be disobedient to me? I said, Never, Lord. I will never be disobedient to you. He said, what do you mean never? You've just been disobedient to me five times running. And you know, it suddenly struck me. I mean, for me, this wasn't a disobedience issue. For me, this was an issue of it's my first night. And I don't have faith to pray for a cripple on my first night. Give me a break. Bring those who got a headache or something. So, you know, we don't start where we finish. And I apologized to the Lord. I said, I'm sorry. I will pray for her. And I turned around, and I went back. I didn't even walk directly to her. I take a little bit of a roundabout path. I eventually arrived by her, stuck my hand on her head where she was sitting, and said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And I let go, and I walked back towards the platform. And on the way, I said to the Lord, I've now done what you told me to do. And I had not even finished saying that when I heard this commotion behind me, and that woman was running all over the hall, supernaturally healed. My God. You know what? I wasn't happy. I was in fact very, very ashamed of myself. I ran into the back room where I'd been praying before the meeting and just fell on the floor before the Lord and I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I see what you wanted to do. You wanted me to do that before I prayed for anybody else. And I really failed you. And you know what? There are times when we will feel that we failed the Lord because we weren't bold enough. But I want to tell you something tonight. God will always forgive us. God will always take us to the next step if we just put ourselves in his hands to use us. That's the bottom line, all right? It's not who I am. It's not where I came from. It's not what my name is. It's not what my color is. It's not what my nationality is. The Bible says clearly there is now no difference Between Greek and Jew, male or female, slave or free, we are all one in Christ Jesus. See, it's not because I'm different, and if you knew my background, my friend, there's probably a hundred of you here tonight, if there's a hundred and five, who have a better chance than what I had when I first got saved. God's no respecter of persons. God is a respecter of faith and works. And if you respond to God and say, here I am, use me, God will use you. Because he's already declared his intention. He says it in Ephesians 2 verse 10 that we are created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works. What are those good works? They're not religious works. And I really want you to understand that. They're not religious works. They are kingdom works. They are the gospel of the kingdom works. They are supernatural works of God. I want to end by just... um, reading to you from chapter 15 of the Gospel of John, where Jesus puts this whole thing really into perspective. And he says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me I am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit see isn't that incredible he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit if you think there's fruit in my life then let me tell you why there's fruit in my life. It's just simply because I've abided in Jesus. And Jesus has abided in me. And he says, if you'll do that, you will bring forth much fruit. Amen. Not a little bit of fruit. Much fruit. So what is the essence then of abiding in him? And he abiding in you see let me tell you the second part of that's guaranteed when you receive Jesus Christ into your life as your savior he abides in you forever he promises he says i will never leave you nor forsake you even until the ends of the earth so the day that i'm born again Jesus Christ abides in my life. And he promises he will stay there. But what is the essence of truth of me abiding in him? Does that mean believing in him as my savior? Is that what it is to abide in him? No. It's a lot more than that. It's making him Lord. It's making him Lord of my life. It's putting him in control of my life. Somebody said to me just a little while ago, I'm so pleased God called you to what he called you to because I sure wouldn't have liked him to call me to that. And I said, you know what? You are so wrong. When God's in charge of your life, It is such a privilege to do his calling. It is such a privilege to experience the utter joy of fulfilling God's purpose in your life. But first, you need to place him in that position and place him as Lord. You see, if I make Jesus Lord of my life, the decisions are are not mine any longer. They are his. They're his decisions. Whether I like them or not, they're still his decisions. I've had to place people in the most dangerous places. People, families who work for us with gorgeous little children and put them in a country that's totally war-torn like Mozambique was. In 1987. and Let them live in a, in a camp that was right on the outskirts of a village. That was attacked every two or three months. And know that his wife and his children are right there with him. And I'm his leader. And I've got to be responsible for putting him there. That's not easy. But I want to tell you. The only reason I did that is because the Lord instructed us to do that. And it's the only reason I could believe that they'd be fine. And they were fine. We have never lost one of our team members. And boy, they've shot at us. They shot at our truck once on the road to Maputa. They hit it with 17 bullets that went in the camp. And 17 bullets came out the cab. And not one of the four people were hit by one of those bullets. That's miraculous. And we've seen it over and over again. And let me tell you something today. If you place your life truly in the hands of Christ, Christ will care for you. He'll provide for you. He'll enable you. And he'll use you. And you will become a great blessing. But the more I hold back on God, the more I minimize that. Amen. Amen. I'll close tonight with just one little story. It's just a little simple one. I was in a supermarket. And the Lord really... Put it on my heart. So you see the lady over there by the by the freezers? Go over and pray for her. I said, Lord, I can't do that. I don't even know the woman. How would I say to her, I want to pray for you? How would I even broach the subject? He said, Go pray for her. So I kind of hesitated for at least twenty minutes. But I just felt this pressure building inside me. And eventually I didn't want to be disobedient. So I went over to the lady and I said to her, I said, please excuse me. And, you know, if you like, just tell me to disappear and I (laughs) will. But the Lord has really been putting it on my heart to come and pray for you. You know, the moment I said that, she burst out crying at the top of her voice. Now I thought, if I go pray for her, And she doesn't like that, I'll be embarrassed. I could never have been more embarrassed (laughs) than standing in front of a strange woman and she is crying absolutely at the top of her voice, and I don't even know how to quieten her down. And eventually, she kind of stopped and (laughs) she was standing there doing this. And she said to me, You don't understand. She said, I have cancer. I've been told I have cancer. I've been praying for three weeks that God would send somebody to pray for me. And today, God has answered my prayer. And I mean, she was just so ecstatic. And you know, it didn't matter anymore who was looking. It didn't matter that I'd been embarrassed. Nothing mattered anymore. Because when you suddenly realize that God can use you to be a blessing for others, it kind of takes you into a new realm totally. And you know, that's not only with supernatural miracles. That's with people who just need love, who just need encouragement, who need help. That's with people who need food. That's with your neighbor whose husband or whose wife's gone to hospital. And they're struggling with the kids. Go help them. That's what's in God's heart. Come do something that you know God is really putting compassion upon your heart. And you will be amazed. Because the next thing you'll know is God will be opening other doors. Amen. Because we are promised that we will be blessed And that we will be a blessing. That God would make us a great nation. Not a nation of, you know, Scottish and a nation of South Africans and a nation of Australians. When we play each other rugby, then definitely we are separate nations. But when we talk about God's blessing, we are one nation. We are a nation under God. And God wants to make us a great blessing. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. Thank you, Lord. Lord, there are people in our midst who need you. We need your salvation. We need your healing. We need your blessing, Lord. And I just pray that you will stretch forth your hand in this place, Lord. You're a miracle, God. I believe that with you, all things are possible, Lord. And I believe that you want to bring miraculous breakthrough in our lives tonight. I believe you want to take us to another dimension tonight. I believe you want us to grasp, Lord, by revelation that you want us to be a blessing and that you are prepared to bless us to be a blessing. That we won't have to rely on what we have to be a blessing, but that you would bless us, Lord, to be a blessing. And that it would become a revelation to each and every one of us. But firstly, Lord, for there are people here tonight who don't know you Jesus who've never experienced you in their lives who don't know your forgiveness Lord and the joy of your forgiveness who haven't felt the warmth of your wonderful love Lord and who don't know the peace of assurance of everlasting life Lord, if there are people like that here tonight, don't let them leave, Lord. Don't let them leave without knowing you, Jesus. Don't let them leave without the most precious dimension that anyone could ever have in life. And that is to have your life, spiritual life, Abundant life. So speak to them right now, Lord. If they don't know you, speak to them, Jesus. Convict them in their hearts, Lord, that they might come to you tonight, that they might open their hearts and invite you in, Jesus, to welcome you, to experience you, Lord. If that's you tonight if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior if you know right now Lord I don't know you and there's a desire in your heart tonight to receive Jesus to know him to know his forgiveness to know his love then I want to pray for you right now I want to lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ And all that I ask is that you'll just respond and show me, yes, brother, that's me. That's me. I want you to pray for me. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior tonight. Please, don't leave here tonight without a Savior in your life. Don't leave here tonight without God's forgiveness. This is your moment. God brought you here for this moment. Don't deny it. Don't let it slip by without taking that opportunity. I thank God that I took the opportunity when I realized it. And it's changed my life. Amen.